Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Everything in life is somewhere else, and if you are smart, you get there on a bike. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking this fine afternoon? Excellent, Not morning. Dude. Mostly because <laughs> I got a pumpkin ale, or a pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head. Um, Wait, Dogfish has a pumpkin as well? Yeah, dude. It's I mean, it's October. Anyone who's anyone is brewing a pumpkin beer. Nice. And uh, this one has a scantily clad, highly tattooed lady on the label. Mine doesn't have that. I definitely feel like a punk. Mine oh, has... It's pumpkin. That's what it is. I said it wrong. Pumpkin? It's pumpkin? P-U-N-K-I-N. Pumpkin. Hey there, pumpkin. <laughs> How you yeah, doing? Maybe that's what it is. It's coming <laughs> Can I pumpkin. get you a slice apple pie? <laughs> <laughs> You're just so cute. Uh, my beer does not have a scantily clad lady on it, but it does have a pumpkin with a mustache. So that's pretty good. Uh, and I'm drinking the Traveler Pumpkin mm. Shandy. Doesn't taste like Shandy. No? Taste, I mean, it's oh, kind of. I don't know. It, it got that little lemon peel flavor, but what's that? very Jacko? pumpkin-y. I saw when you like flashed it in front. It's like Jacko. Jack, it's, yeah, it's Jacko Traveler, ah. which is that brand. And they have, ah. uh, they have like a lemon shandy. They have a grapefruit one. And then they have their seasonals, my favorite of which is the winter one. And it is the only reason winter is at all bearable for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right, dude. I actually want to like jump right in headfirst because um, I'm pretty excited about this episode, cool. and I, I think that I'm a de- I'm decent at the skill, and I think it's like just super important, especially uh, with money and like career success and stuff like that. Cool, man. So yeah, I guess we're gonna talk about negotiation. Hmm. <clears throat> which is uh that's when you gain the upper hand and then you you crush the opponent's hopes and dreams into the dust that's right once right? you get them in the palm of your hand then you crush your hand close <laughs> and no it's actually like totally not that and, okay and actually okay so i want to want to hear your experience but first there is one thing i want to touch on and i i think a lot of people get confused with bartering and negotiation because they're mm. very similar. And the one thing that they both have in common is that you're not trying to crush your opponent. You're not trying to like win. You're trying to... So why would I want to do either one? Uh, because you're trying to negotiate because you have a specific goal or objective that you're trying to reach. Maybe it's like a reduced price or an increased salary or not paying for a bill. And you're trying to get that and so the thing is with negotiation, it's successful when everybody wins. And bartering, it's also not to win. And it's also successful when everybody wins. But it's to exchange a commodity or service. I don't think that negotiation and bartering are are like two two opposite sides of a coin or something like that. I mean, is that what you're thinking right now? Well, okay, so if, if we played it out, right, so you're going for a job, and you get to the point where they're like, Thomas, we like you, right? Um, right. Would you, like, would you negotiate your salary, or would you barter your salary? And, and I think, like, the approach is kind of different. So maybe each. the word barter implies you're putting one thing on the line in exchange for one other thing. And maybe negotiations a bit broader of 
a tactic where you're you're bringing in like it's ancillary like, it's like benefits maybe Dude, and- so i sell apples my like objective is to get rid of these apples and collect something monetary in return right but if i'm going for a job um i likely already have another job and you almost like have to like woo me you know with with all of the aspects so okay so it is it's it's not just one thing for one thing that you can affix like a solid monetary value to each thing and then trade it's more fluffy yeah negotiation is fluffy (laughs) (laughs) okay uh so in your notes here we have the things you can negotiate um the one that popped right into my mind when you mentioned the topic was negotiating your salary and I suppose just like the process of getting hired for a job. But uh, what else can you negotiate in this life? Because most, thing most things have like a price on them, right? Yeah, but I, I think like, and you know, it's interesting. So coming from like America and, you know, you go to the supermarket and the tomatoes $2 and you just go to the register and you like pay $2 and like, it, it's just like ingrained. Like the price is there, you pay the price. And I had this um, buddy in my first job, and he was born in India, grew up in India, and he and he came here. And in India, none of the prices are real, like none of them. It is implied that you will negotiate, so they're all higher. Mm. And so I would be hanging out with him. We'd go places, and he would just try to negotiate with people, like bartenders, like to reduce the price of the beer and like shit. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Like this is it doesn't work like that. But it worked a lot for him, which I thought was like really interesting. Wait, like it worked in America? Yeah, like he he would get free beer. So I I flew on a plane with him to Vegas, and they charge you for wine and beer at your yeah. thing, and instead we uh, got it for free, you know, with our big fat smiles and you know, just like talking to the uh, stewardess. And I, I think like you have to approach most things with this thought that it is possible to negotiate because i think if you approach it you know in the negative then of course you're never going to get you know the opportunity yeah okay so i want to get into this but first i need to ask Mm. what did he say that got you guys free beer on the plane so um we actually see that's the thing is we didn't like negotiate the price we cared about the stewardess and you know we talked to her and Mm. we you know we flirted a little bit and we didn't actually ask her for it then to bring it to our seats. Then we got up, went to the back, talked to her more, and we're like, oh, by the way, like we really love wine. Do you happen to have any? And she gave it to us. I mean, and it's clear uh-huh. that people were buying it. <laughs> we, it was just also clear that we weren't going to pay for it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've heard uh, stories about, oh, I don't know if I should say this. We're going to like, create a, an army of negotiators here. Um, I read some something on Reddit where a person was like, "Yeah, I just bought a bag of like those those individually wrapped Hershey's candies, mm-hmm. like the Mr. Good bars and the whatever else, the crunch ones, and just handed it to the stewardesses when I was getting on the plane. And I was like, "Hey, I know you guys are working long hours, so here you go." And what do I know? Next thing they're saying, "Oh, sir, there's a free first class seat open for you." No shit. Boom! Here you for go. Candy. For candy, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's that is uh, an example of reciprocity, I, I suppose, mm-hmm. where like where you do something nice for somebody else, they feel either an obligation or just a desire to do something nice back. 
there's like this innate human desire to do that. Um, if I, knowing this, I would almost feel sleazy doing it, even if I wasn't like wanting to get a first class seat or expecting anything. Like knowing that has been done and knowing the result, I would feel like if I was trying to help somebody out, I don't know. So I and I think this is like this maybe. That, that's a great point. And I think this <laughs> plays into how you would successfully negotiate because one, like a successful negotiator is not trying to screw over their opponent. And I think mm. if you if you are or if there's a situation where it's like win lose, like you're not going to be successful because who wants to lose, right? But in this like opportunity, you were, like this person was nice to the stewardess gave them chocolate with no expectation in return so they got something and i just want to like say like that is a negotiation tactic like you know the reciprocity rule for example and i mean it doesn't have to be like you sit down at a table to negotiate think Mm -hmm. of we were discussing the other episode like the monks in new york city and uh you know they put a thing on your wrist Right, like, oh, here's a free bracelet, and then they ask for a donation. They don't yeah. ask for money; they ask for a donation, and they know that it works. It frequently works, and there's like studies on it and stuff. Um, but that's their tactic. It's not like they accidentally and they gave the money and they're like, "Whoa!" It was purposeful. <laughs> I had a guy do that to me in Japan. Really? He has like monk robes on, and he comes up and hands me like this weird holographic golden card mm-hmm. with like a cat on it or something. And I was like, thank you. And then he's like, all right, now a donation. <laughs> and, and how much like, did you give him? I was like, no. And then he took it back and he got oh, mad. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. So <laughs> he was really serious about it wasn't reciprocity. See, it was number one, before you buy. I don't want your stupid random card that you hand me on the street. But number two, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been online for so long and been doing like internet things. Uh, it just, it becomes very easy and, and very quick to sort of like smell out disingenuous reciprocity plays. Mm. Like you're, I'm obviously doing this to butter you up for the next thing I'm going to ask you, you know, or like when somebody emails me that they want a guest post on my site, they're just like, Hey, love your work. I really like this post you wrote. And I'm like, yeah, you read some blog posts that told you to write that you like my post and to be specific about a post to choose. So you don't seem really disingenuous, but you still sound disingenuous. So, and I don't know how much of an asshole that makes, like how jaded that makes me to assume that. I, th- I don't know. I think it that, makes you more I think I've become conscious. too jaded. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, same. Like I, we, people are always trying to blow smoke up our asses and sometimes it's like that day of the week and you're like yeah i am great thank you for your email (laughs) what do you want i'll give it to you because you like need that so so it works that's the thing like when you're thinking about negotiation like premeditated i'm going to build rapport first like it isn't with not with no expectation of anything return like Mm -hmm. i guess you can go into a negotiation with no expectation of anything in return on that occasion. Mm. Um, but if you are thinking like a negotiator and somewhere down the line, you want something from that person, like you are still going, you're still doing something with a probability, like an expectation that they're probable, 
that it's probable they might help you out in the future. Dude, I, I want to expand. It's on like that. straight up Gary V stuff. Like yeah. I'm going to give you stuff, and he's like he's very upfront about it because later on I'm going to ask you to do something for me, and I want you to. It's kind of refreshing that he's so upfront about it. Well, and I think but. that's why people trust him because he's not going <laughs> to bullshit you. But yeah. okay, so so maybe not the specifically asking for stuff, but I think what you know an example of what you're referring to is like a, a car salesman, right? Like mm. they're going to start with like chat, right? They're going to get to know you, get to know their yep. like quote unquote opponent, ease into the sale, and they know that it's highly unlikely that they'll close that day, but they're just like seeding it. You yeah, know, that's what they, they follow like up. tea or drinks or whatever. Yeah. Because you know, that engages reciprocity. Mm. Like, even though you know in your brain this $1 bottle of water is worth nowhere near even the, like, margin on the fees I'm going to pay for this car. Like, the fact that they're handing you an object, you almost feel like but you're somehow you, like, indebted. But they water bottle, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I like this guy. Like, yeah, yeah he like, cares about, like, my thirst issues or whatever. Right. And, and, like, your <laughs> like then of him, like, spills into, you know, a $20,000 purchase or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, there, there's a lot of things around this, this topic of negotiation. Uh, I have, like, this big wall of text that i wrote out for job negotiation so do you want to like jump into that real quick yeah sure and and this okay. is yeah okay so let's go into it no. so i'm not gonna like read it verbatim but um dude why basically not? it's only like three thousand words right it's uh, it's less than that basically uh kristen wong who has been on the show before mm. and is awesome and a good friend of us she writes for lifehacker like there's like specifically there are two and, cents and blog. Brokopedia. So she has and her own. Yeah, yeah, yeah so she's got her own thing. Uh, and she was doing an article on job negotiation. So she asked me what I knew about job negotiation. And the first thing you told her was nothing. Oh, and yeah. Then, and they're like, wait, 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 I just read some shit on the internet. I know absolutely nothing. So let me proceed to tell you uh, 3,000 words worth of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what I told her is that the primary factor that you should be considering with any negotiation is what does the other person want? Because, mm. like, it's really easy to think about, like, a salary increase that you want or, you know, something else that you want. But when it comes to the actual negotiation, that doesn't really matter. And I just want to say, like, the, I think the reason it's really important is, so it's one thing with a job negotiation where they want to hire you, you possibly want to work there. Yeah. But say, like, you walk into a car dealership and the dude doesn't get to know you, like, he's going to possibly sell you the car that you don't want. Like, maybe he's going right. to sell you on the minivan because you're worth your wife and your kid, but you already have a minivan. You actually want the sports car because you just turn, like, 50 or whatever, you know. Actually, I have a sort of very recent related story to this. Did, did you buy a sports car, Thomas? I didn't buy a sport. <laughs> I, I think that my car looks kind of sporty. And Nissan thinks so, too, because it says four-door sports car right on the car, on the, the rear door mirror, or not mirror, the window. <laughs> so, so it says it on your car? It's, it literally says car. 4DSC, four-door sports car, and it's like a really tiny little label. Oh, okay. It's like hard to see, but it's there. So, so tell me about this, this article. So, what, what Oh, yeah. So what I wanted to say with my article is that what matters most in a negotiation, especially if it's a job one, is whether or not the decision maker is willing to trade what you want in order to get what they want. Mm. So like you're going into a negotiation 
especially if it's a job, like they are the decision maker. Mm-hmm. I think you need to figure out like who who has the most decision making power. So I, I, I kind of wanted to like step back on that and like a big part of negotiation is like knowing your competition or like right. understanding that the scenario because you're saying like they're a decision maker. I approach mine like I'm the decision maker and if it doesn't feel like a place that I want to work at a price that I want to work at, I'm, I'm not going to stay. So, you know, and, that's and it's true. not like a hard line, but I think like you can exude things. So the context here was uh, negotiating a higher salary, mm-hmm. in which case your your boss is absolutely the decision maker uh, in yeah. that specific area. You're the decision maker on the bigger decision of whether or not their decision will cause you to leave your job and find something else or you'll stay and just keep Dude, with your old salary and everything. Which is something but you like, have to be super careful In of. that context, you have to bring to bear those decisions that you are likely to make. You have to be really careful to Try to that. convince like, your boss. One of the things, like, you can't, like, bluff that. You know, it's like, you know, if you don't give yeah. me this raise, I'm going to leave. And the guy's like, yeah, no, I'm not giving you the raise. And you're like, well, shit, I have to leave. Well, I don't want to talk about bluffs. I mean, like, if you aren't getting paid enough in your job, then you're the decision maker mm. on whether or not you will leave for real if they are not going to pay you more. Mm. But in the actual negotiation for Hyatt, I would like to stay here and I'd like to make more money. Your boss becomes a decision maker on sure. that mm. one decision. So in that case, what they want matters, you know, given the fact that you would like to stay. Uh, so I think thinking in depth on this can prove especially important when you don't have a lot of experience. And that's sort of what I deal with because it's a lot of students, right? Mm. People in their first jobs. Uh, experience speaks a lot. It's challenging it to negotiate when you don't have yeah, yeah. It's just like, please hire me because I'm a good person. Right. Like if I can see a proven track record in your past, mm. then I'm like, okay, I believe that this person is going to continue to get better and better and probably save me more money down the line or make me more money because I can see their progression in the past. But if you don't have it, you have to work a lot harder to sell like your ability to do that, pretty much. So I had a bunch of factors that go into that boss's decision. Um, and it kind of boils down to like your skills and experience, uh, your learning ability and your adaptability in the company, mm. the quality of the work you do, your passion and interest for it, which also feeds into how long you're going to stay. Like, how are you likely to stay and be loyal? Um, your level of autonomy in the company, your social skills and your fit. And, and to be I clear, those, this is to negotiate a raise in an existing job. So I think these ones, like these qualities apply to getting a job as well. Well, but, I mean, they don't know how autonomous you'll be. I mean, you could, right, you could say right, like, right. dude, I am like the most autonomous. And they could just be like, all right, fine. Yeah. So what what I'll say here is, what well, in terms of autonomy, I meant like, can you work on your own? Do you need somebody over your shoulder all the time, Mm-mm. you know? And th- I think your past experience can speak to that. Because you oh, could absolutely. say, like, in my previous role, I had basically no oversight and I was still able to save the company, blah, 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 right? Oh. Like, my boss was in Fiji and I ran the company and his marriage for him. And <laughs> So, okay, dude, I'll tell you what. Like, I th- not to, like, really harp on this, like, side hustle thing, and, I- and I'm well aware that it's not for everyone, but I think that if you build a thing on the side, it speaks a lot to your character because how else can you convey to a person who just met that you're a self-starter or able to work like you know, autonomously if you built a thing that was in your head and you like executed and did it, you know, with no boss? 
So that's, yes, uh, maybe. Collegeinfokeek.com <laughs> slash personal-website. Maybe. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, like, I, I think that that is a major selling point because people look at you and they're like, not only does this guy hold down his job, I mean, I don't know how he is at his job, but he does right. other things. So I'm going to agree, but tentatively agree. Mm. Dude, if, if, you're, if you're applying for a job or whatever, even negotiating for a different salary, and you have a side project, if that side project is in the past, guaranteed, yeah, awesome. Use that to your benefit. If you're currently still doing it, uh, this is something I was listening to the Cortex podcast where both hosts, Mike Hurley, who runs Relay FM, and CGP Gray, who has zillions of subscribers on YouTube, they both talked about how they were they were starting their respective gigs while at full-time jobs. Mike was at a bank and Gray was a teacher. And they both are like of the mind that if you are, if you're doing a side project while you have a job, you don't talk about it Mm. because you basically become the target for like the first in the chopping block to go because you don't care about the company. Like you're obviously trying to transition to your own thing, blah, blah, blah. So if you're trying to get a job and you're like, Oh yeah, I have this side business I'm running. You run the risk of so convincing okay. the, the I, employer I, I that like point, that they're just a stopgap until you can go full time. So like I, I get your point. You got to work to not make them scared about that, dude. It, it's about the messaging, and and I think I'll give you an example. So we're on, you know, let's say you you work for a bank or you work you work for College Info Geek. You're not you're not the the lead. You just work for mm. a dude who who has it, right? Yeah. And yeah. here you are. You're talking about your skateboard and how you spend time outside skateboarding, whatever. And like on the face, I would say like, oh, I think that's his hobby. Like he just goes out in skateboards. He's not going to replace his job with skateboarding. But you, what if your name was also Tony Hawk, right? And then it's actually competitive. And I think it's all in how you frame the discussion. Because just mm-hmm. because you're building a thing that's a business, it, it could be inadvertently a business. Yeah. Boom. I guess I guess I just don't want people to shoot themselves in the foot by I, I definitely like convincing an interviewer that, oh, look, this person is just using us as a, you know, a temporary place to make money mm. before they can go put all their effort. I, into I mean, their for, thing. I, I'm thinking from like the software engineer perspective, like mm. you, there's like something called GitHub where you can put all of your like open yeah. source code and people eat up any like open source things you've contributed to or things you've built on your own and exposed because sure, yeah. then they get an idea of what your case i mean maybe it's a, a much more of an engineering thing to to display what you have built but- no no i don't think i think it's i think it's pretty universal mm. i guess I'm, I'm gonna agree with you like 90 percent, like 95 percent probably i just want to say like consider the nature of the side project and how active it is currently mm. and the, like how much you want to go full time on it and how much it's going to like what kind of signal it's going to send. Mm. Cause if I'm like, Oh yeah, I built these cool apps. Like all my stuff's on GitHub. Check that out. Like that's absolutely 100%. You should definitely show that work. But if you're like, if your blog's like how to quit your job.com, <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like applying to, you know, edit videos for a YouTube channel. I don't know. This is a tough spot because like you want to show your previous work. You just don't want to, you just don't want to send the message that this place is a stopover. I, I agree with you. I, I guess the, so I, I do agree with you. I was doing like devil's advocate and I kind of <laughs> wanted to maybe like, 
like ram home that it, it's really about the messaging and the approach Mm. Which is is very similar to negotiation because like uh, you could portray it aggressively, you know, passively, right? Like I could go to the job and like I'm building this thing and in three years I'm going to do it full time. Or it's just like, you know, my wife, my wife works late and so I kind of played every video game that exists or I feel like it. So I just, you know, do this thing. I guess that could work. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we have those, those qualities and uh... – you know, there's the the tip to show off your previous work without scaring away your potential employer. <laughs> um, I want to talk about these emotions mm. to leverage, essentially. And you only have you only have two here. You have anger and antagon- antagonist is not an emotion. <laughs> well, okay, so these are my notes to me. What emotion <laughs> are you exp- displaying right now? Antagonist. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So no, I mean, I, I guess the thing is, um, negotiate. So one, I think it's incredibly important to not be emotional when you negotiate, mm. and then like, so it's like step one: don't be emotional. Step two: display strategic emotions. Okay. Based on the discussion. For example, we're trying to. I'm. Um, you're trying to sell me this like Honda Civic, and we're talking, and I'm like, how much? And you're like five hundred thousand dollars, and then I give you a face like I want to kill you, and you're you know whatever. <laughs> like then you 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 will read my face like ah five hundred thousand. I meant fifty thousand, or I meant like you know. So you can without me having okay. to say anything, you can kind of pick up where I am. Mm. And the 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 other key emotion antagonist is uh, like imagine uh, a similar thing or you're you're in a business situation or you're negotiating for your salary for a job yeah. and uh, or you know you're on the phone with a recruiter or something they tell you specs of the job or what the salary would be and you're like oh okay um, thanks for your time like uh, I really appreciate it I, I don't think this is for me. Um, but like, I'll see if there's anyone I know that, that may be interested. And basically what you did is you're like expediting the end of the negotiation, which will tell them like, well, if I really want this guy, I have to up what I'm offering. Okay. And it's, it's kind of without like saying, you know, they offer you, you know, $20,000 and you want $25,000. So instead of saying, well, how about this? You could actually just kind of convey like not enough without saying it. And then for them, they have to pick a new number. Whereas, like, you yeah. could have limited yourself at 25, but maybe they come back and they say 35. Okay. So I think that kind of relates back to one of, like, the key rules of negotiation that I learned, um, which is to be willing to walk away mm. at basically any moment. I think, like, the, the two main ones that I learned were um, no more than the other party. Like know as much as possible. Come in yeah. with, like, have the informational advantage. Monstrous research. And then be willing to walk away. So that way you're like you're not attached to the deal and if it's not what you want, you don't have to take it essentially. Like you don't feel like you have to take it. Right. And obviously like you shouldn't be just a complete hard ass and say if I don't get every single thing I want, I'm walking away because mm-hmm. that's childish. But that mindset and, will and that help goes you against negotiation. To, like you couldn't you right. can't win. Like they have yeah, to it's, also Yeah, it's win-win and there's you know there's always going to be compromise. Uh, but having the mindset of I can walk away from the deal and I'm willing to walk away from the deal gives you the ability to critically analyze anything that you are losing out on and whether or not it's worth just like taking the hit on or not. Mm. 
because if you get emotionally attached to one aspect of the deal or just to seeing any result whatsoever, then you're going to end up leaving a lot on the table and you leave yourself open to a lot of manipulation. True. So, yeah, just a little bit of a little bit of impassiveness, you know. Mm. And I think like that could be one of those emotions to like an emotion to strategically show. You know, at times like I'm not being swayed by whatever else whatever the other party is trying to use on me mm. and I'm showing that like no, nope, this is this is what I need to have happen and let's figure it out. And I think that's part of preparing because if you're say say you're like walking to this like negotiation, whatever it is, and I think jobs like a, a good example. Like you maybe should play out in your head like you know, like, um, it's like one of those books. What are they? Pick your own adventures. Like, you know, do you want to uh, adopt the cat? Flip to page 156. Cat eats you or something, right? And you kind of yeah. just play out the scenarios in your head. So when they say it, you're not like, oh, or whatever. Or you're not, you're prepared for then a response to either counter, you know. And mm. Okay. So another thing, um, I think relating mainly to jobs, because I think we, we're going to talk about like banks and credit card fees and things too. But like with jobs, um, if you can sort of navigate the conversation away from the money, like instead of I want to make $50,000 a year instead of forty five, if you can kind of center the conversation around I'm providing this extra value for your business, like I've, I've increased these key metrics, you know, everything like these things are improving qualitatively, mm. then your boss is going to be less kind of, I don't know, like anal about each individual dollar Mm. that they're going to be giving you because it's like, Oh, well those, you know, those things are awesome. So I'd be willing to pay whatever for those, those improved benefits in the company. And and I think like on the other side of the coin, like you have to be super flexible where, you know, you come into this negotiation and you're talking about salary and you want, you know, 25, they say 20, and it could just be, like, there is no more money than 20. It, like, the guy wants to give you 50, but he can't. There's no more. Right. But if you're flexible and you consider alternative, like, scenarios, you could be like, um, fine, I want an extra week of vacation, you know? Yeah. Or, like, I need, like, 2% more matching to my 401k, and these are, thi- or that's money-related, but I guess you could negotiate non-money, like, for them to give you an extra week of vacation costs them nothing. That's an right. easy win. That's true. Yeah, that's and that's something that you might be fine with mm. because money isn't the only thing that matters. You know, I mean, I've, I know people who have negotiated for for less hours at work for the same pay, mm. or like you said, more vacation time or working from home stuff like that. So it's not always about the money. Uh, there's a couple other tips I wanted to talk about. Number one, knowing when to shut up. True. <laughs> uh, if you put an offer out there, uh, especially if it's like, if you're oh. if you're like if you're calling your cable company up and you're like, I want to pay twenty bucks less. At that point, you just shut up because it's really tempting to sort of like negotiate against yourself. Like ifs, ands, or buts, or like, but if that doesn't work, I'm willing to do this or whatever. Like, it's mm. you kind of want to like massage any any objections that come up before they even come up. But what you want to do is put your offer out there, be serious about your offer, and like back to preparation, you should have justifications for your offer and think it's reasonable, but you put it out there and then shut up. Put yeah. the ball in their court. 
Like like because literally now have they a have staring to... contest for however right. long it takes. Because right. it's it's highly unlikely that the person's going to be like, no, and conversation's over, and I hate you, your entire family will burn yeah. and then leave the room. They're going to be like, well, maybe that won't work, and then they'll tell you why it won't work, and then you can continue from there. But don't shoot yourself in the foot by adding a bunch of clauses and ifs, ands, or excuses to your offer. Just say it. Mm. The other thing I want to talk about is anchoring. So anchoring is essentially uh, something that companies do to you every single day where the first number or the first type of offer that's that is put out there, uh, your brain sort of like anchors all other comparisons to that. Give me an example. So uh, one really good thing to do is like what TV, what like TV, uh, what are those like I see on TV things, right? Mm -hmm. They're like. The normal price for this product is fifty nine nine to five, but if you call in the next twenty minutes, you'll get it for twenty. So your brain doesn't see it as twenty bucks. Your brain sees it as oh, that's only one third the price of the original price. Mm. That's a deal. So if you set like an anchor point and then you move up or down from there, you can create a better perception of what the actual offer is, which is a based very- on the original anchor. So so. Uh- to go further on that, um, there there is plenty of data that shows all the way up till Thanksgiving, prices slowly increase. So oh, yeah. what happens so is you get this Friday. Black Friday and then I mean <laughs> the shopping season starts and the deals are so good. But if you right. looked back to May, it actually is not that different from the price then. But you've been sold, you know, maybe you're in the thought for a TV, you're preparing for Christmas, you see it go mm. up or you 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 see like the last price being 1500 and then it's 500 and you're like, oh shit, like I have to get it now. But in May it was also 500. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was something with, with Steam, the, the game uh, marketplace on the computer where somebody, I think, I feel like it was Rockstar because they have like these Steam deals every winter and every summer where like mm-hmm. all the games are on sale. And like people expect every game to be on sale, basically, and they're going to buy a ton because all the prices are anchored. It's like mm. previous price was ten bucks, now it's two dollars. Okay, how is it going to buy that? I'll never play the game, but I'm going to buy it. And I think Rockstar did something that was like completely. I think it's like illegal in certain countries. I don't know if it's illegal here, but they like raised the original price so that way, like the true original price still was sixty dollars full price. Looked like a sale price. They literally did it the day before. Like, they were lazy. They just marked it up to 80 and then down to 60. Yeah, it's like two seconds. Oh, that's actually 80 bucks. And then, like, two seconds later. But it's now on sale for 60. And you get, like, a 1,000 in-game dollars as well when you buy it. So, like, that's taking advantage of anchoring. I also just Uh, want to confirm that it is illegal in Albania. Is it? (laughs) I don't know. I just made that up. (laughs) Well, I've heard people, like, I, I was on the Reddit and people were saying, like, oh, this is illegal in European countries and things like that. But... I, don't know, I guess Rockstar is not European. It's like do whatever they want. <laughs> Almost and, uh, is like illegal. A lot of products will have like tiers. So mm-hmm. like a lot of online uh, products yeah. you'll see like you can get the basic package for twenty bucks, the mid package for fifty, or the super ultra package for two hundred. And the mid and package has like a huge gold seal it says like best deal. Best offered. Yeah. yeah. So basically that makes you feel like, okay, I'm a discerning customer. I'm not going to get completely taken by buying this high package, but I'm also not buying the crappiest thing. So the middle one is fine. Mm. And then they can sort of like use 
those those higher and lower anchors to set the middle price to whatever revenue they want to actually make. Mm. That's why, like, uh, my thought is just lead with the you know with the real price. Like, so for example, if you want to join the community, it's it's a hundred dollars a month, and so we just lead with that, <laughs> and then everyone just signs up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm sweating. See, it's really why are hot we doing? Here. Why are we doing a bunch of sleazy anchoring on our community page, huh? Just be all sleaze. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we have a special introductory price of ten dollars a month, but after that, it's going up to your firstborn son. That's right, per month. <laughs> you better get a cloning machine. From day one, it's ten dollars, and on the third day of subscription, you pay five more dollars. And by the time the first month is over, it's five thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh well, that was that's another thing in negotiation. I feel like I'm not providing things people can use. We're just sort of like revealing what companies do to you. Like things that cost way less upfront. Uh, my friend Chase Reeves was in Paris. He probably still is, and he said that um, the bikes you rent was like half a euro for the first hour, but then like the next thirty minutes was one euro, and the next thirty minutes was two euros, and oh. then the next thirty minutes after that, and so on. Those were all four euros. So like the introductory, like oh, you want it just for half an hour? Sure, it's super cheap. But then after that. It starts totally going up. And do you have the option of like getting the bike and buying three hours at once at a lower rate? Or no. Oh, it the just only way to keep it cheap to... is you'd have to like ride it for half an hour, go back, return it, <laughs> check it out again, ride it for half an hour, go back and return it. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of products and services will do that where it's like a initial like the trial period as well, you know? Mm. Just kind of initial here's a really cheap and then it's gonna go up. Uh my cable company does it. I'm currently on some in, like introductory two-year contract price, and then if I renew afterwards, it's going to go way up for the next period. So speaking about things you can negotiate, like your AT and T bill, like your internet bill. I mean, like any bill that you have, like your, your interest rate and your credit cards. Like, like pretty much all I have to do is ask. Like you know, you go to your your cable okay. company, you know, and they're giving the, your TV package is a hundred dollars. You're like. Um, I want that to be, you know, $50. And they're like, no. And they're like, all right, cool. Actually, just cancel it because I just get it on the internet anyways. And I'm like, whoa, 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 actually, we'll give it to you for 50 That's, like, super cool with us. And, uh, you know, you, the cool thing is with these companies, you don't actually have to cancel. You can make a fool of yourself. Be like, well, then I'm going to leave. They're like, all right, you want me to cancel? And you're like, no. And they just, like, click. And you'll never talk to that person <laughs> again. And it's like, I call think, back uh, and try again. I think the best way to negotiate with your internet company is to live where there is Google Fiber. Mm. That's you, right? <laughs> no. Oh, I wish. I wish. I, I'm I'm okay with my ISP. It's not bad. Um, there's some downtime that I get annoyed by, but I've heard that in markets where Google Fiber shows up, like until they show up, the cable company is just screwing their comp- their uh, their customers. That's the moment Google Fiber shows up. Hey, we're going to be offering you the same service at like one third the price. Mm. No charge. Thanks for being a customer. Please stay with us. <laughs> they're they're basically doing a public good, Google. Like they're actually they're never acquiring any customers. They're just literally unscrewing everyone from their. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, I don't know what Google's evil plan with this whole thing is, but it's certainly injecting some much needed competition into the market. Dude, you have fast internet access, and you're a better Google customer. You get to see more ads. You get to watch YouTube. Give them uh, more Google. data. Yeah, seriously. Please take my data. Suck it right out of my brain. Th- then you're, you get your <laughs> Android phone and you connect to Wi-Fi with it from home. And I mean, they, they get you left, right, and sideways. No Android phones. 
Mm. Only iPhones. <laughs> Only iPhones in this side of the the. Well, actually, these two podcasters yeah, at least. I was gonna say we are complete. At, well, you're more of an Apple fanboy than I am because mm. I at least have a desktop computer. Talking to you on my iMac. I have my iPhone over here, and I'm sitting on my iChair. Mm. Yeah. Your eye chair. Mm. <laughs> that, that's all I got. Anyway, moving on. Did a chat of a single piece of aluminium. So okay, um, I want to like go through, uh, you know, like while we wrap up, I feel like there's like a bunch of like quick tips. Okay. That we can kind of uh, just throw out there because I want, um, like, I mean, first of all, if you've stayed with our our terrible jokes this long, mm-hmm. uh, you at least deserve some quick, easy tips you could like just put to use right away. Um. So I think the biggest one, like bar none, is listen. Most people, like, they, they think they can listen, but they're just not listening. They're thinking of the thing they're going to say next or whatever. Mm. Um, I was talking to uh, this dude, Dan Green, that we had interviewed. And I was thinking of uh, – or I was trying to get podcast advertisers. And I was working with a company, and the sale wasn't, like, closing. Like, and – I didn't understand why. Like, I mean, the value of Listen Money Matters is awesome. And it turned out, like, I was pitching them something that they really didn't want. And then when I listened to them and found out what they actually cared about, then I was able to sell them that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's important because we often build kind of like preconceived notions of what the other person wants. Mm. But when you listen, you get the real desires of those people. And I think that's why so many people like in kind of our space will tout the benefits of surveying your audience Mm. because we often have this urge of like, oh, I know what my audience wants. I'll just build that. (laughs) But then when you ask them, they want something different. So, yeah, definitely. So next one, which is. Oh, oh, I, I know. This is your list. <laughs> ooh, ooh, pick me. Uh, <laughs> seek a win-win outcome. And I think it just really boils down to uh, you're not going to close a deal where you're screwing the other person. Mm. They're only going to agree if they feel like they're winning. And I think that, you know, if you know what they want and you know what you want, it's really you should put the onus on you to make sure that both get filled because everyone's happy and then they'll do a deal with you again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just like lightning through this list, like right. make small talk. We talked about, um, look for common ground. Uh, that hap- that can happen in the small talk too. Mm. I mean, common ground in terms of like business decisions and everything. Yeah, but uh, with the small talk, like if you if you find a common interest with a person, like you you increase the likelihood that they become your friend, and it's so much easier to negotiate with somebody who feels that you're a friend mm. because then they feel that that you do have their best interests at heart. It's like much more, I don't know, it just, it's like automatically seems that way to them. And you know what? It could automatically seem that way. And in your head, you could be like Mr. Strategy and you could see them as like an opponent. And then in that case, it's like reconnaissance, like learn more about your opponent, what makes them tick so you can find out like, you know, and and maybe to go like a little further. So, um... I, I knew these people in high school and, uh, you know, grew up, whatever. They went to go buy a house and the family that was selling the house was this old couple. And obviously these, these two were like really young and they wound up liking the couple so much they reduced the price so the couple could actually buy it. 
and they were more really? concerned with making them happy and they were like oh because they're such a great family and blah 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 <laughs> and you know stuff like that happens all the time where i would say even though everyone's interested in money few people are actually motivated by money that's true yeah there's something called the over justification effect where uh when there's like an external reward like money offered then the intrinsic motivation goes down Mm. like to just to do a good job or to do something to make somebody happy like that goes down which is why people tend to do better work for free than they do for like crap pay right right like if i'm gonna build you a house for free it's probably gonna do a better job than if like yeah i'll pay five bucks for it because then you just you like boiled down the value of my work to five bucks instead of like basically your work is worth a subway sandwich to me (laughs) <laughs> or your work is worth my undying respect and friendship. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know it's a, a great little, builder and uh and the pride of achievement. Yeah, dude. Like you you have a house on the beach and you're working on building a sunroom and you know mm-hmm. some dude who lives in Montana be like, "Come and he's a builder. Come help me build and you and your family can stay in this house for free and use our beach and we'll buy you all your meals and stuff or something." Yeah. You know, where it's like you're not paying them, but kind of are. Well, that reminds me, uh, I did a job in high school. It was like a freelance job where this lady asked me to put uh, Wi-Fi, like webcams, uh, in her dog daycare mm-hmm. so the customers could watch their dogs at work. That's and then funny. I had to figure out how to like stream it to the internet and everything. And me being 17, I had no idea how much work this would be. So I was like, yeah, I'll charge you 50 bucks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out I was there for like two full eight-hour days trying to figure this stuff out. And from then on, the company only <laughs> hired high school kids. So like, well, they no. don't know the value of their time. But I mean, like while I was there, like we got to talking and we became you know, pretty good friends. And at the end, she was like, uh, you did way more work than 50 bucks worth. And she ended up paying me five times that much. Oh, shit. so yeah. I mean, like you build some common ground, you like become friends a little bit and people, like you said, you know, there's, they want to provide more value because they want to make you happy. Mm. Yeah. You want to make them happy. So the other one here, you, the next one you have is acknowledge objections or counter arguments. Mm-hmm. I, I am more a fan of the plug your ears and, and go la 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 la, <laughs> I'm not listening method, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> so I want $25,000 salary. We can't give you that. So I want $25,000 salary. <laughs> and they're like, there's the door. It's like mm. um, hearing like, just, just like, I guess listening, really. And, uh, you know, when someone has something that they want or an objection, like integrating it into your conversation, like, you know, if there's something that they want, like become the champion of what they want and you're more likely to get what you want. Okay. That makes sense. Plus, if you're acknowledging arguments and objections, then you can easily figure out, all right, what, what can I get that is not going to run up into these, these barriers? Mm. So going back to the salary thing, if I can't get an extra $25,000 a year, maybe I get some extra vacation time or a sweet company car. I don't know. Something <laughs> something the company can provide right, that right. will actually make you happy and still make them happy. Uh, what, so what do you mean by increase the scope? That's the next one. So uh, another one I learned when I was trying to uh, make some sales is I would say, you know, like, well, this will cost $5,000 and you know, they, they feel that it's not worth $5,000. So there, there's two ways that you could approach this. One, it's like, so if not $5,000, how about $3,000? Or you could say, you know, $5,000 for X and Y, and you throw in more things. So you, mm. uh, like, it's about, like, um, up, like anchoring that value 
and, and okay. like so then you just give them more because in the end like if that's something you're gunning for is like monetary yeah. value you know you don't want three thousand dollars you want five thousand dollars and to get you know from three to five that's a two thousand dollar gap you have to sell someone else so you might as mm. well up your offerings you know you know what this could work in reverse too like, say, like we're gonna advertise for somebody, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make like five thousand or something. So we put together like a package of like, here's everything we're gonna do, and then they were like, well, we can only afford three thousand. So they were like, okay, three thousand, and we'll just knock off like three of the things from the package, and maybe those three things were like too labor intensive on our part to be fun and maybe they didn't even need them anyway right like it's like so thomas or like they really ad. just wanted these your ad. <laughs> <laughs> probably perform better you anyway interested in better bit <laughs> <laughs> i swear if more people buy buy stuff from siri reading it <laughs> I was watching a video called Humans Need Not Apply, and it's about how robots and automation are going to take over everyone's jobs, basically. Dude, just to enab- enable that sexy it's woman. What's going to happen? British yeah, voice, Siri's going to... All podcasts will just be Siri. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like some algorithm that finds all the right words to say. <laughs> robots talking to robots. It's just like optimized <laughs> for SEO. How to negotiate skill, negotiation. like. But yeah, like there's a thing. Uh, in terms of a job, you know, a job arrangement, if they can't pay you more, well, maybe you work less mm. and they're okay with it. It's yeah. like, well, we don't need you here 40 hours a week. We can only pay you, you know, 50 grand a year, but it looks like you're getting everything done within 34 hours a week. So why don't you take off early an hour every day, you mm. know, and you have more time to be with your family. You're probably happier with that anyway. Sure. And it's a win-win. So you can play with the scope. I'm going to, I'm going to rename that tip to adjust the scope cool instead of just increase uh number seven be clear of what you are willing to do and not willing to do i'm not willing to do nudes andrew (laughs) well then this podcast is over because i'm only in it for the nudes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's good to establish boundaries Mm. like there's definitely things that have play but you can be clear up front which about what things like i'm not going to do this i'm not willing to give up on this you know, and each party can set those expectations. So now you understand what the playing field is. Mm. And then you just don't waste time talking about a thing that you were never going to do anyways, or they were yeah. never going to do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number eight, don't take it personally. I think we talked about being a little bit impassive and willing to walk away. Mm. Uh, on the other, like on the other side of that coin, if the other party takes it, you know, impassively and is willing to walk away. Yeah. Don't take that personally. Because it's probably not that they hate you. It's probably just like the deal doesn't work for them. It's business. Yeah, it is business. I often feel really bad. Like, you know, I haven't I haven't taken guest posts in a while, but occasionally back in the day, I think I'd get a guest post or I'd say like, sure, you can guest post. And I'd send me something like, like this it's is not shit. it's not good. I'm going to walk away from it. It's like, I don't it's not like you're bad as a person. It's just like this isn't something that I feel is right for my platform, mm. you know? Uh, don't bluff me what you say. Is that true? Well, look. If you don't want to be a you, gambler? If you're going to quit. Wait, what do you say? <laughs> the what? You don't want to be a gambler? I, I mean, look, you, you can, but you have to be willing to uh, like take mm. action when they call your bluff. So if you mm. need $5,000 more, you're going to quit, and they don't give it to you, and then you stay, then you lose all future negotiating ability, and they may then That's wind true. up putting you the first on the chopping block because you're... You basically like 
gave up a weakness. They open up the Excel file and add wet blanket to your your little row. (laughs) Your personal file. Yep. Your permanent record. (laughs) They just open the file cabinet and they actually put a wet blanket in your file. So we're looking to hire you and I'm looking at your high school permanent record and it says (laughs) wet blanket. Can you please explain? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number 10, don't corner the other person. Mm. Yeah. So uh, back to a corner tend to not do the thing you want them to do. <laughs> yeah, or, or act rationally. And it could yeah. wind up being, like, bad for everybody. Oh, it's true. Like, I mean, it, they could just end up not liking you at all. Mm. And that kills a negotiation faster than anything else. Uh, don't be emotional. We had that one. Mm. Don't win the battle and risk losing the war. So that's that's a good negotiation tactic. I think that's, like... One of the most important relationship. I was tactics. literally going to say, like, if <laughs> if you are about to get married, like, you need to like internalize this <laughs> because that, yeah, that's for everyone who's married in here. They're probably like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's, it's so true. I'm getting you a stupid have to argument be able with to Anna. Give up ground. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You want to be right, or do you want to be happy? That's right. That's so true, dude. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh it is um that that's why and in a more professional be. aspect i mean like that is something to think about should you should you like be a hardliner about one little salary increase if it means that you're going to get passed up for a big promotion mm. where they might elevate you to a different job title and title and like entirely yeah you know so by all means ask for a raise if you feel you deserve it but if they say no and you feel like you know down the line there may still be uh, there may still be ways for you to move up in the company, then maybe it's not something to, like, I don't know, take a hard stance on. Everyone has to shovel shit. And, mm. yeah, I mean, if it's just one more shovel of shit, uh, it's not so bad. I mean, you don't want to sign up for, like, a whole job of shoveling shit. <laughs> but if you have to do two shovelfuls, like, uh, maybe it's worth it. You've been shoveling shit all your life. I'm sure you can shovel two more years worth of shit. <laughs> ah, look at those biceps. I can tell you've been shoveling a lot of shit. <laughs> look at those abs. You've been yeah. crunching some shit, too. <laughs> and number three, 13, never pay full price. Uh, well, I, that doesn't that doesn't count for everything. True. I never mean, pay full price for, like, cars and stuff like that. But I've, I've always paid full price for bananas. I will it's true. I pay full price for my beer. Mm. apparently you don't i don't no so sometimes uh I, people send me free beer by the way if you are looking to send me free beer just email us i will gladly give my address uh, <laughs> and yeah there you go <laughs> translation if you would like to obtain andrew's address then mm. you all you got to do is tell him you'll send him free beer mm. that's <laughs> We're going to totally edit that out. <laughs> or, or not, we'll see. <laughs> I have a P.O. box. <laughs> yo box? What's yo box? No, a P.O. box. Oh, I thought you said yo box. No, I have a P.O. box because I don't like, I don't want to put like my house address in the bottom of all my emails and everything. It's like, you talk so, about my mama? No, I talk about your box. Your box. <laughs> you know, I get my yo mail box delivered. so big that it needs its own post office. <laughs> All right, we're going to quit while we're behind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully you got something useful out of this episode. If you have questions uh, or you want us to go in-depth on a specific topic. And I actually just want to add, um, we're, we're going to try something new. 
And so uh, you probably know if you're in your iTunes app or, you know, any – I mean, everyone uses iTunes because they all have iPhones. But if you, for some reason, don't and are, you know, aspiring to get an iPhone. Uh, <laughs> all Android owners are aspiring iPhone owners. Is that what that's, we're going to say? I think that's how Apple sees it. I'll let you take all the hate mail. <laughs> no, but seriously, <laughs> like uh, most of the time if you tap the cover image, it will give you like the show notes of the episode. That's and, true. And – uh and it's cool because you don't have to go to the website and we have like the links in there and stuff for this one. I'm going to be converting this into like the most ridiculous uh, like it's not even it's going to be beyond show notes. It's going to be like epic article plus show notes. Hmm. So you could like tap your thing and get like everything we talked about and much more links, all that stuff. Um, or you can wait a month and just Google how to negotiate and you'll see us as, as number one on the podcast. number one on google Mm. that's right dr phil i'm gunning for your spot it takes more than a month Mm. well i mean maybe maybe you know something i don't but for me it takes more than a month anyway listen money matters at gmail.com is where you can send all of your questions and hate mail and uh we also have a community Mm. which you can find over at listen money matters.com slash community and you can sign up and uh, join our community of people who are much smarter than us. True. And uh, we also have the opportunity for you to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating and review if you would like to do so. Today's review comes from Ellie Bell. Ellie Bell? Did mm-hmm. I say that right? I think so. Okay. And I'm going to guess the she. She says, super helpful and entertaining. These guys are personable, which makes for easy listening. And they have some awesome advice in all caps. I listen to them while I work, and they really help. They really help me want to act. They give easy, simple ways for real people who are bad with money to make some real improvements to their habits. And yeah, five stars, two thumbs up, and high fives all around. Badass. Thank you for that review. We just need to upgrade her from wanting to act to acting. To acting, yes. All right, guys. Uh, also, our favorite money management resources are over at our toolbox, which you can find the aptly titled listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's all we got. So thanks again for hanging out with us, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Later, man. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show.